This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham. Your guide to the New York Jets, sports, and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of This Is The Jet Life. It's been a while since I sat in this room venting all of my thoughts and emotions on the New York Jets. We ended a recap of free agency and the draft, the dark days of McCagnan, and they were set to prep us for this 2019 season. And we've had a few unexpected bumps along the way, including Operation Overthrow, but we've actually made it, and pretty well intact considering. The Jets have two preseason games under their belt now, one against the Giants, one against the Falcons. Now, I'm not going to do a full recap of each of those games, but I'll be using what we saw in those games from a variety of players to evaluate where our team is today and where a bunch of different players stand. Remember, we've only got about two weeks to dump about 40 of these guys, so we've got to make sure it's the right 40. Last thing we want is one of these guys ending up on the Patriots, the Bills, the Dolphins, or any team around the league watching them succeed and play against us. Not what we want, so going to evaluate all that. Today's episode is going to be broken down a little bit different, but same sort of content. It's going to go news and notes from around the league. Going to talk about the starters from the two games. A pit stop at the cooler for what's on tap. Going to talk about the rookies, what we've seen some special teams. Going to do the players that have been impressive in those two games, didn't fall into the above categories, and then those that have been unimpressive, and there's a plethora of each. Going to do that new segment that we touched on last time, Father Time. You get some insight from my father on what he thinks the New York Jets are going to do on defense. Some section of some other Jets notes that didn't fit into the above, and then a look ahead at what's to come for the New York Jets. Lots of fun stuff. Lots of exciting things. Yeah, chock full of hot tamale content. But before I begin, i got to remind you to subscribe and rate this podcast if you enjoy it. It's available on Apple, Google, Spotify, a bunch of other dark corners of the web. I do appreciate those who have already done so. And feel free to also follow me on Twitter, at Jets underscore Dan, to follow my streams of Jets consciousness throughout the week. So with that, let's do the damn thing. News and notes. 
I'm just going to rip through these things really quick. There's just a couple of them. I want to get to the Jets stuff. This stuff bores me, and I'm tired of hearing about it, to be honest. You probably are, too. Uh, Antonio Brown, he needs to get over his whole helmet issue. Everybody in the NFL knew over a year ago that they were going to be changing helmets to one that the NFL thinks is going to be safer. So they've told him he's got to change it. That year has come. He wants to use his old helmet. He's filing a bunch of grievances and stuff. Every other 1,500 players in the NFL right now are perfectly fine using the new helmet. Antonio Brown's got the only issue. It's a whole big mess. Glad he's not on our team. We got some holdouts around the league. We got one from Melvin Gordon, good running back from the L.A. Chargers. We got uh, Ezekiel Elliott, really good running back from the Dallas Cowboys. Melvin Gordon, I understand why he's doing it. He wants to get paid. He's worried that he's going to be used and abused like a bunch of other running backs around the league. Similar to Le'Veon Bell. You know, these guys don't want to just play, give up all the tread on their tires. It's only like the shelf life of a running back in this NFL is like, what, five, six years. So if you go through your rookie contract four years, you go on a team option, and then who knows what you have left. You're not getting a nice long-term contract after that with a lot of guaranteed money. So these guys want to hold out and try to figure it out. It's a confusing thing around the NFL right now because the running back position is like no other where these guys feel like they're a dime a dozen. You feel like you can draft them in any round, plug them in, use them for three, four years, and then move on, and you get it. I mean, these guys don't want to be dealt like that. They want to make the money and and have the guarantees that the other players have nice long careers. Haven't found a nice middle ground for that to work out yet. We'll see how the NFL handles it. Then you got Ezekiel Elliott, on the other hand, and he has no leverage at all because he's got two years left in his contract. And I could see, you know, Melvin Gordon's case looking for an extension before that last year comes. Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, he's really got no leg to stand on. If he doesn't play this year, doesn't play next year, he's probably not going to be lasting in the NFL much longer. So he's basically got to be out there. I don't think there's really any scenario where he doesn't play. And the Cowboys know it. Jerry Jones is even making jokes about it, saying, like, Ziku, because I don't think it's bothering him. I don't think anybody's scared that Ezekiel Elliott's not showing up. We know the guy's going to be there. If not, it's going to be costing him his career, most likely. And all the while, you got this backup running back, Pollard, for the Dallas Cowboys, playing behind this great offensive line in preseason and doing an absolutely bang-up job. He had six carries, 51 yards, rocked and rolled, and Ezekiel Elliott can't really feel real good about that right now. Didn't want to see another guy take his spot and, and succeed the way he did. You know, a lot of people had those concerns when they saw Connor do it for the Steelers in Le'Veon Bell's absence. They thought, well, look at this. That was a great offensive line in Pittsburgh. This guy's stepping in and doing a great job. Maybe it's the line, not Le'Veon Bell. Now, I think all Jets fans are about to see that it is Le'Veon Bell. The guy's going to be an absolute machine for us. But, uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, he's hoping that that they're going to be calling him back anytime soon with an offer. Not so sure that's going to happen. Maybe the two sides can just be cordial and find a nice, happy medium. Maybe he gets a little bit of a boost. Not what he's looking for, and Ezekiel Elliott just bites the bullet. I mean, remember what Le'Veon Bell was looking for in a contract and what he accepted from the New York Jets. And that probably was his best offer. And it was like, what, lowballed him $5 million from what he asked? This stuff happens. He's got to be out there ready to play. He's an important part to that team. And I'm really glad that this stuff's not happening to the Jets right now. We don't have a Revis holdout. We don't have anything else going on. Everybody's reporting to camp. And for the most part, you know, up until a couple days ago, the team's been extremely healthy. And uh, just a couple guys nicked up here and there that are working their way back. Some precautionary things in training camp. But you expect that, and you'd, you'd probably rather it, honestly, than be aggressive. But anyways, that's what we got for our news and notes. The New York Jets have played two games against the Giants, one that they lost 31-22, to and one against the Falcons that they won 22-10. to So that's where we're at. Let's start evaluating the starters. We got to start with Sam Darnold because this guy is 
amazing. He's amazing. I mean, he's everything that we've hoped for in a quarterback. He's super young. He carries himself in a great way. He handles the New York media. Somehow Baker Mayfield can't handle the Cleveland media, which is probably like, I don't know, three guys. And Sam Darnold goes through New York with the sky as his ceiling, all eyes on him, everybody in the fan base talking about him, can't wait to see him, and still he makes no headlines. It's awesome. I mean, it's everything that we could hope for. And then when he goes on the field, the guy can move, he can stand in the pocket, he can throw it deep, he's got good timing, good accuracy, he controls the huddle, it's everything you want to see, and he's like the youngest quarterback to ever do it. Now he's coming in for year two, ready to rock and roll, starting to build this offense around him, and I mean, you, you were so excited to see him. He's the guy that this whole team is based around. Everything that we've done for the past three years, basically, has been based around getting a quarterback and having it be the right guy. And they did draft the right guy, in my opinion. Sam Darnold here. He comes out. We're waiting to see what's he going to look like game one. He only plays one drive. But he plays lights out, stands in the pocket a ton, delivers the ball down the field, finds Jameson Crowder on two throws. He moves extremely well in the pocket, creative. He had a really similar throw to Chris Herndon, to one that he had last year, where he just rolls to the right, pops over the defense, Herndon jumps up, grabs it. I mean, it looks like he just jumped right back in where he was when he was on fire at the end of last season. He had a perfect drive, basically, one incomplete pass that was almost picked off by Jabril Peppers, but luckily wasn't similar to like that lines. The season starts, quick pick six. Almost had that kind of thing happen again. Got the jitters out, brought the team down the field, touchdown to Jamison Crowder out of the game. Holy moly. Perfect quarterback rating. Sam Darnold rocks. Game two, Sam Darnold comes in on fire. Amazing. Dishing the ball around the field. Only had two incomplete passes in this game. He didn't move around the field as much as he did in game one. He stood in the pocket a little bit more and delivered precision throws. He threw a couple to uh, Quincy Nunwa. One was dropped in a third and one, but it was a perfect throw. Quincy just didn't beat his man, Trufant. Um, he had a really nice play to Robbie Anderson that was a comeback route that he threw it while Robbie Anderson was running straight at his back. Anderson turns the last second, ball's already there. Great timing between the two of them. He had a nice third and four goal line play to Robbie Anderson, a timing play with a defender draped right over his back. I mean, these balls are placed right in the perfect spots. He gets us down in there. Ty Montgomery scores. I mean, there's not a ton of sample size to go here. We've got like a quarter's worth of play from him. But everything you've seen is exactly what you'd hope for. He's 9 for 12, 114 yards, touchdown, no interceptions. All right, that's 75% completion, 9.5 yards per attempt. He's got a 131 quarterback rating, playing against the starters, just popping back in here with a new offense, new players around him, doing it even better than he left. And if this is how he's going to come out, that's going to be awesome. It's not like everybody comes out in the preseason and just locks and loads like this. We saw, you know, Matt Ryan have some issues here and there. We saw Eli Manning have a very short drive against us. And Darnold's only been sacked once. He's standing in the pocket. He's making the right decisions. And it's awesome. It's been a ton of fun to watch. So he's the starter that I think by far in this preseason I've been most impressed with. And he's the most important person on the team. So it's perfect. Now, Le'Veon Bell, he's a starter at running back. He's not going to be playing this preseason for the New York Jets. He's going to sit the whole thing out. I think it's the right call, honestly. I think I've seen enough from him. I think that Le'Veon Bell's going to take probably two handoffs before he's back to feeling comfortable. And even then, I don't think he's at much of a disadvantage. Put him in against the Bills. Know for sure that you're going into the league with him perfectly healthy. You have no lagging injuries. You don't want him to just, even if he gets three carries and you see him like limp off the field, a little bit shaken up. I don't want that. Let's just go in against the Bills. Kind of a must-win game right away. A home game against the Bills in the division. 
if we want to, you know, compete, these are the games that we got to win. There's no must-win games, of course, in September, but, you know, it feels like the type of game that if the Jets are going to have that good season we're hoping for, it's kind of going to start there. So Le'Veon Bell, get him out there. He's going to be fine. You know, he doesn't have a ton of experience with this offensive line and with these players, but when you're as good as he is, which is ridiculously good, it doesn't take long. And running back's an instinct position. You get him back there. It may take him a game or two to get to full form, but you know he's going to be healthy. And him at 75% is still going to be better than what we had. Still going to be better than Isaiah Crowell, Eli McGuire. I mean, I love Bilal Powell, but it's going to be way better than that too. The guy can block, he can catch, he can run. It's going to be awesome. Glad he's not playing right now. In his stead, we've got Ty Montgomery, who's been getting a decent amount of work early in the games. He seems like he's the clear-cut backup right now, ahead of Bilal Powell, Trenton Cannon, and Eli McGuire, which is fine because I like what I've seen from him. And he's a super smart, intellectual guy that you like to have in your huddle. He's got 4.8 yards per attempt. He's got a touchdown. I think he's been consistent overall in the two games. He's run outside. Um, he's gone inside. I think that uh, for how shifty he is and how good he is with his hands, he's actually got a little bit more power going between the tackles than you'd think. I mean, he picked up a nice touchdown going outside, but he got some nice short yardage plays and one uh, one longer play going right up the middle as well. I think that pretty happy to have him. I think that he's an automatic improvement at that number two running back spot and it's looking like we got a pretty nice stable of backs right now. It might be a difficult, uh, difficult come cut down time to get rid of some of these guys because Montgomery and Bell, they're not going anywhere. Now when you move over to the receivers, the number one receiver, in my opinion, is going to be Robbie Anderson. This is a guy on a contract year, right? He's going to be a free agent next year, and he's got a lot to play for because there's a very good chance that he could get offered a lot of money. He has a skill set. He's extremely fast, and he's very good, strong hands at catching a deep ball question is does he have other stuff that can make him super highly paid does he have timing routes does he have a variety of inside plays slants can he do stuff like that can you trust him to take some hits in the middle of the field without getting injured those are things that you're going to see from him potentially that'll boost his stock a little bit and if he plays well hopefully joe douglas can get a contract extension done before that happens if he wants to hold on to him hopefully he doesn't take it on the open market and let everybody you know jack that price up maybe we can get a deal done Somewhat of a hometown discount a little bit early if we like what we see from him in the beginning of this year. Anderson's been playing better, in my opinion. I think at the end of last season is when he really started to pick it up. I think he started to run more routes. He started to do more curls, more timing plays that early in his career he just didn't seem to have it. The timing wasn't there. He was lazy on routes. He was behind on stuff. Um, and as Sam Darnold's getting more comfortable with him, Robbie Anderson's getting that much better. He was doing uh, you know nice timing plays like we mentioned in this game. And if he can continue to do that, It'll be awesome. He's only got like three catches so far in this preseason for 32 yards. But he's getting some third down looks. He's getting some some plays and some chemistry with Sam. You can see throwing the ball when he's not even open, opens up for it. And when you start running plays like that, short yardage plays and curl plays like that, it really opens up the deep ball, which is his forte. You know, he's been finding success getting deep against guys that know that's basically all he does. If he can expand that route tree and start doing stuff inside, some more mesh concepts that Adam Gase likes to run. I mean, he's going to really open up that deep ball when he fakes inside. He's fast enough to, if he gets a step on a guy, to keep him beat. And it might be a lot of uh, might be a lot of fun watching those this year. I think that this is going to be Robbie Anderson's best season. I think he's getting 1,000 yards. If he stays healthy, first 1,000-yard season, and first 1,000-yard season for a Jets receiver since, like, Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker probably, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good. Now, unfortunately, it's going to raise his price a little bit, 
but what are you going to do? A good season's a good season. Crowder's a guy I've really liked. We paid him like $8 million a year for three years. He's going to be here for a bit. We know he's had some injury concerns coming from the Redskins, but he's a slot receiver. He's shifty, and I like what I've seen. I mean, I always thought he was good. It's just keeping him on the field. And I truly believe that with Sam Darnold and this offense, he can be an elite slot receiver in the NFL. There, when you look around the league, there aren't that many guys that just excel in the slot. Guys like Jarvis Landry, who you know, whew, that's a slot guy you got to watch out for. I think Crowder's going to get there. He's so shifty. He's so fast. He plays well. I mean, he gets open in space. He runs well. He moves. I love it. Got to keep him healthy. He had two good catches in the first game. Got that touchdown. Nice to see his rhythm going. Just one more weapon for the offense. Definitely an improvement over Jermaine Curse. And uh, if he can stay on the field, yeah, Sam's going to love it. And we have a Nunwa. He's been solid. Uh, I think he's got some separation issues a little bit. He's one of those guys that, you know, you forget about him and he catches the ball. He's great yards after catch. If you can find him in screens, plays like that. Jets loved running those last year. He's trying to find a way to almost make him a running back. But when it comes to, like, getting paired up with a good cornerback or something and trying to move across the field, he doesn't get a ton of separation. Um, he's not the best route runner in the world. And, you know, you saw that play against Trufant where on that third and one, he curls and cuts over to the right on the flat. And if he is able to get that separation by a foot, he wins that battle to get a first down. Even if he's able to catch the ball with the defender draping over him, we get the first down. He's not. The guy's right there. It's stuff that he's got to improve on, but I love him. And I love him with the ball in his hands when you can get it there. The only thing is, I worry about his health because he's got still got that aggressive run style that's just like, if he keeps doing that and jerking his body the way he does, taking the hits that he takes for a wide receiver, you know, it only takes one little one little injury for a wide receiver to basically keep him hindered for the entire year. And then by the end, you're just talking the whole time. Eh, he was injured the whole year. We didn't get to see the full him. Yeah, well, you know what? We need to see the full him. He's been injured for a while. We just gave him an extension. So he's kind of a guy on my radar watching out for, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of got to impress us. I know we just signed him for that long thing. I love him. I love Quincy Nunwa because I love the way that he plays. But is he really going to be a number two receiver for the Jets? Or is he going to be moved down? And if he's behind Crowder and we re-sign Anderson, I mean, that puts him at that number four. And you got Chris Herndon in there and a running back. I mean, he's kind of the odd man out then. And you got to kind of, he's making a decent amount of money. He's got to prove to us that he should be on the field. So then we do have Chris Herndon. Just mentioned him. He's been great. He looks just like he did. I mean, the Jets barely used a tight end for like the last decade. And then he comes to the team as a rookie. Does awesome for a rookie and what we were expecting from him. Um, he's looked just as good in the preseason. Again, he's not played all that much. But uh, the bad news with him is he's got a DUI. He's going to be suspended for the first four games. So we do have to kind of get used to life without Herndon a little bit. As much as as much fun as he is to watch, as much as we're all rooting for him, it's going to be great when he's back, but we're only going to have him for at max 12 games this year. So, you know, the first quarter of the season is going to be Herndon-less. It'll be great to plug him back in, you know, when the schedule starts getting real tough. But those beginning weeks, we've got to do it without him. Now, the offensive line has been interesting because we pick up Ryan Khalil. Right? Joe Douglas pays him a ton of money to come out of retirement because, like every other person, the entire Jets franchise fan base, he also doesn't think Jonathan Harrison should be playing center for the Jets. The guy's all right. He's going to be a fine backup. I don't hate having him on the roster. I got nothing against him, really, other than the fact that he's a below-average center, and Sam Darnold would like to have an above-average center. So Ryan Khalil's coming here. Um, he hasn't played yet with the New York Jets. He's still just getting back into shape, and, and we'll see how many snaps he takes before the regular season. 
But then you got Brian Winter shaking up. He's not playing. Uh, Osemele, he played the first game. It was absolutely amazing. He was blocking his first guy, getting to the second layer, blocking those guys. He was coming back in the pocket to help offensive linemen, help the tackle, beach and block his guy. I mean, he was all over the place in that one drive. He played with Sam Darnold, and it was like, wow, this guy looks like a freaking all-pro guard. He looks exactly like what we hoped for when he was an all-pro guard three years ago. And the guy looks just as good. If he come back to that old form, it's going to be great to have him. Big, big improvement over James Carpenter, I'm sure. But he got a little banged up, and he didn't play in preseason game two either with winners. So neither guard. And then our likely starting center, Ryan Khalil, not playing. Brandon Shell, he's been injured for some time now. He's not played yet. And you've got Kelvin Beecham. He's the guy that's basically been playing the most. And in my opinion, Kelvin Beecham looks a little bit older. I think that he's starting to regress a little bit. Love the guy, love the player. Glad that we had him. He was a great you know, bridge to our next left tackle, but I think it's time for us to start looking at left tackles. Um, he got bullied a little bit trying to set an edge for Ty Montgomery. Ty ended up getting a decent handoff, a decent run, like nine yards up the left side, but Beecham on a run play has to get the first step forward and drive his man back. He's got to set that corner for the running back to start getting upfield faster. When he gets pushed backwards instead, one, it means that he's losing his, his strength battle on a play where he knows he's going forward. And two, it means that Montgomery now has to slide parallel to the line of scrimmage for longer to get around him without changing the direction of the run. And, you know, just more running, more time for the defense to close in on you before you start getting positive yardage. So that's the thing that worried me. He also had the only penalty in the last game against the Falcons. Um, It's unfortunate. I think that he'll be all right. I don't think that he's a bad player. I just think that he was pretty good at one point, and now he's going to be good to okay. You know, he's going to be maybe that C plus B minus range rather than the B, B plus that he was. It's just a step back. It's not anything to panic about right now, but it's just, you know, maybe a sign that when his contract is up, maybe we don't re-sign him. We have to start looking at a guy to plug in there. Left tackles are expensive, so hopefully we've got a guy in this roster that can take that spot. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So those are the big things that I saw from our offensive starters. I'm going to go over the defense a little bit. I'm going to try to speed things up a little bit because I think that I'm behind schedule. So start with the defense. Jamal Adams is an absolute beast. He comes out, gets tackled for loss right away in the first game. He gets more tackled for losses in the second game, a sack. He's great on run help. The guy brings a lot of fire and passion to the team. It's like he's an absolute star. You can see it. He's coming in hot this year, you can tell. Cornerbacks starting on defense, extremely weak. It's the big gripe. From most Chess fans right now, it's a big gripe from me. Not happy with where we're at. We've got an injury to Trumaine Johnson, who's our number one cornerback, who's overpaid for sure and will never live up to the money that he's paid, but he's still supposed to be our best corner. You may not love him. You may not think he's worth what he's got, but when you look through the roster, he's got to be out there. He's played with Greg Williams in the past and has uh, had success with him. Maybe he can revitalize his career. He's got to be on the field. Hopefully, we're hoping right now that he's going to be ready for week one. He probably won't play in the preseason again. But uh, if we can get him there for week one, that would be huge. Healthy, of course, and then keep him healthy. On the other side, Daryl Roberts, you know, he's not played a ton starting at cornerback. When he does play, 
he's looked pretty good. So Jets fans are pretty happy with him, especially not playing free safety. I don't think people are super upset having him there. Just the depth behind him. We haven't seen a ton from the starting cornerbacks in this preseason because, you know, Eli Manning, he went three and out, was off the field really quick. And then when you played against Matt Ryan, our starters were only in there for a few drives. Um, and the Jets did pretty well, and those didn't give up any points. So we don't have any huge concerns about Daryl Roberts' play. It's everybody else that plays quarterback that's been an issue. We'll get into them later. The linebackers have been quiet. Um, you know, C.J. Mosley, he's out there. He's made a couple plays, but he's not been on the field a ton, so you haven't seen a lot from him yet. Uh, starting linebacker Jordan Jenkins still bull rushing people really well. Braden Copeland, I think that he's played well. Uh, Adam Gase and Greg Williams have decided to play him longer into the games. He played like the whole first half um, and then some of the second preseason game. I was a little bit surprised because in my mind, he's probably the starter there, but maybe they're looking to see if they have another guy that can fill in. Um, Maybe they find that to be one of the weaker positions on the New York Jets. I like Brandon Copeland. He had a decent game. The guy came up with a a sack last game. Everybody on your roster is not going to be awesome. You just hope you don't have a bunch of guys that make bonehead mistakes. He's not one of them. So for that reason, I feel comfortable with him out there. If they think they've got an improvement over him, that's fine too. If they think they want to see a little bit more from him to prove his spot, that's fine. I think in the end, he probably will end up winning it. But you never know. Now the other one, Avery Williamson, other linebacker, a tackling machine, one of the best players in the New York Jets last year. Offense, defense, special teams, you name it. He was one of the best players on our team last year. He was a Pro Bowl alternate. And I love the guy. You know, he signed a three-year deal. This is the second year of his deal. He just tore his ACL. He got injured in the game playing extended minutes, just like Brandon Copeland. He was in there after the rest of the starters on defense had basically all come out. And not entirely sure why. Not sure if Greg Williams wasn't completely sold on him, wanted to see more, wanted to see what he could do. Um, But he did play a little bit more. Adam Gase took the blame for it, you know, said he shouldn't be in there. But it's nobody's fault. In reality, I mean, if a guy gets injured, a guy gets injured. You don't predict an injury. You never will. You don't know if he would have gotten injured in week one, whatever. Unfortunately, he's out for the season, and he's a great player that's going to be very sorely missed. We're going to have to plug that hole pretty quickly. Um, we got some guys in-house that I think can do a decent job, but you don't know until you see it. You've already seen it from Avery Williamson. You already know the guy's not an issue. He's great. He had a sack in this game, this most recent one against the Falcons. I mean, he, he came out and was like, oh, Avery Williamson's still good. He's still got it. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, I tears his ACL, and that's all she wrote for him this season. We will begin life without him and, and go through this year. I'm sure he'll be back next year, hopefully in good form. But, uh, yeah, it's a real a real blow. You hate to see injuries like that, especially preseason. Like, that's why I said I'm not that upset having Le'Veon Bell not play. Like, it just, Avery Williamson, as much as we love him, we don't feel like he's you know, a, an instrumental part to this team's success. Yeah, it's going to be a blow not having him. We're a worse team without him. But that second middle linebacker spot, the off-ball linebacker, doesn't really make you feel like, all right, now we're going to lose because we don't have a spot there. It's like Le'Veon Bell would be horrible. Sam Darnold, Jamal Adams, oh, these would all just kill people. Quinn and Williams, you don't want to see any of those guys not playing. We're so excited for them. Um, you know, that's not to say that we're okay with this in any way. I don't want to take any, any credit away from Avery and what he's done. But I think it's one that we can overcome without the season being a total bust. And, yeah, we may have some guys in the roster that can do it. You talk about the defensive line. Uh, Leo's not been playing much, but Henry Anderson, we signed him for a longer deal. He got a nice blocked kick a la last year, bringing it back. Love that guy all over the place. And then Quinnen Williams. Everyone's wanting to watch Quinnen Williams and what can he do. And he's not played a ton, but he's stuffed the middle a little bit, gotten a couple tackles here and there, 
He's definitely made his presence felt. But the big play that everyone loved blew up on the internet was when he just blasted the Giants' uh, interior offensive lineman, just knocked him over to get a bunch of pressure on uh, Matt Ryan and forced an incomplete pass. It was it was awesome. I mean, he just barreled through that guy. And if he's doing that all season long, it's going to be a sight to see. These Falcons were playing their offense, uh, their starting unit, for a lot longer. And that was a starter that Quinn, or a guy that's you know playing with the starting unit for the Falcons, that Quinn and Williams barreled over. And if he's doing stuff like that, that's going to be disruptive, and that is going to be a nightmare for teams that we play. I hope that that stuff continues, and uh, and that was good to see. So that's basically our defense so far. It's given up zero points, our starting defense. So they've not been on the field a ton, and they got a ton of pressure on uh, Matt Ryan. They didn't get a ton on Eli. I mean, Jamal Adams came back and made a tackle in the backfield on a running back. Eli was on the field for three plays, and then uh, the backups came in. Matt Ryan, he was under pressure all game. Starters, even the backups too. So uh, we liked what we've seen from our defensive starters. We just need those cornerbacks fixed. we gotta find, uh, we got to find a spot to replace Avery Williamson with. So I want to get into rookies, but before I do that, let's take a pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, this is What's On Tap, the segment where I talk about the beer that I'm currently drinking, and I am embarrassed to say I am currently drinking... (sighs) Why am I doing this? I'm drinking a Sam Adams Summer Ale, a limited-release citrus wheat ale. Why is it such a big deal? If you don't know, this is a Boston beer. This is brewed by the Boston Beer Company from Boston, Massachusetts. I mean, this is... Ugh, they're just so proud of this awful, terrible beer company up in Boston. They just love Sam Adams. Ooh, the best Boston lager. It's so bad. We do, uh, for the football games, my crew on football Sundays, we do uh, like special food for each team that we play. Like when we play the Dolphins, we eat sushi. When we play the Bills, we eat buffalo wings, right? When we play the Patriots, there's nothing exciting about Boston food or anything. We drink just terrible Sam Adams beer. We hate it the whole time. We usually lose the game, so it like, goes hand in hand. We're just like drinking a ton of just awful beer, sad, disgusting, and uh, and yeah, so this is the summer ale. Why do I have it? One of my knucklehead friends came over for the UFC fight last weekend and left these beers behind, and I saw it, and I was just like, oh, I cannot wait to put this freaking beer company on blast. Now, let me take another sip of this guy. So, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not the type of beer that I like in any way. Um... But it's like we don't even want to focus on that because the company itself, what it stands for, we don't want to like it. And we can find other beers that taste just as average as this one. It's summery. It's got that shandyish thing going on. It's uh, you know, it's trying to be a little playful, a little light, a little bit too sweet for my liking. It's kind of like a one or two at the beach type of beer. And no, it wouldn't be the worst. But I think there's... It's a dime a dozen type of thing. Everybody's got one little novelty summer type beer. This is just another one of them. It's not that great. This thing is, uh, what is it? Should I even read this back? Ugh, God. Summer ale, golden, hazy, and satisfying. The American wheat ale is synonymous with summer. Our blend of orange, lemon, and lime peels create a pleasant bouquet of citrus. The grains of paradise accent the crisp wheat character with a subtle spice that finishes clean. Iconic as it is refreshing. Summer ale is just right for any summer day. Yeah, I'm not buying that bullshit. Uh, yeah, it's 5.3%. Eight IBUs. So it's got, like, nothing going on in terms of beer. 
hoppy flavor. It's just, uh, I guess the only redeeming thing I can get out of drinking this thing is that I did not spend a dollar on it. Thank goodness I will never make that mistake. And who knows, maybe journeying down this dark path way out of my comfort zone has shown the light to some of you and can keep you from making the same horrible decision that I did, which was opening this thing, which, by the way, has a pop-off uh, bottle cap, which I thought was reserved for, like, good beers. If it's like this, it should just be a twist-off because we're just barbarians drinking this stuff. Nobody classy is drinking a Sam Adams summer ale. Um, it should just, like, I have to have a bottle opener for this thing. It, uh, I don't know I don't know what they're trying to pull here, but uh, we ain't impressed, and we certainly ain't fooled. All right, so that is what's on crap. I mean, what's on tap? Moving on, let's go over to the rookies from the first two games. And the rookies are one of those things that you always want to focus on when you get to preseason because these are the guys that you've never seen play that you just have unlimited expectations for. Just like we hope that our team is going to be amazing, we hope that every one of these rookies that we've never seen play is going to be amazing. We talked about Williams already. Let's go to our next pick, Ja'Kai Polite. All right, this guy's getting extended playtime and making almost no impact whatsoever. He's had a very bad start. He's had four tackles playing with backups in a lot of playing time, and so far he looks like uh, he's just not going to be making that much of an impact for this team. Probably not going to get those sack numbers we were all hoping for, that five or six sacks. Until we see more out of him, he looks like a guy that uh, probably shouldn't be on the field all too much. He's going to have to step it up a bit. Then we got Chuma Adoga, the tackle. He's played both left and side. The guy's young, raw. One of the big knocks on him, he's not super strong. We've seen a little bit of that from him so far this preseason. But I think, overall, I kind of like what I've seen. Now, he's not been perfect. He's made a couple mistakes here and there. Um, but he's played both sides. He's super young. And I think, in terms of the potential that he has and what I've seen so far, I already would rather have him out there than Brent Quayle or Ben Ijelana, two guys that we've been like going back and forth between for the past, feels like, five years. Um I think Chuma Adoga, he's going to be less expensive, and he's on the roster for a while. I think that he's a guy that hopefully can develop. Maybe he can take that Beecham spot. Um, maybe he could just be one of those really good backup tackles because tackles get injured, and you can't have the excuse of, well, we don't have a backup tackle that can really play significant football. you got to have a guy that can play there. Maybe he'll be that for his career. But he's got to be good. Bar is higher than Quail, higher than higher than Ijelana. The expectations are, you know, solid. So I've, I've liked what I've seen. See a little bit more from him before we decide. Get a verdict on that. Uh, Blake Cashman, a guy that a lot of people like. He had a great game one. He's super fast. He uh, basically forced a force fumble with uh, Frankie Lou, who held him up. He had four tackles in basically one half of a game. But then he got a little banged up, and he didn't play game two for precautionary reasons. So what are you going to do? We're hoping that he's going to be healthy. Um, he's one of those guys in that next man up scenario for Avery Williamson. You got Cashman, who's a little bit faster, younger, He's definitely not seen as much on the field, um, but they say he can cover pretty well. We've yet to see that. Hopefully he can do it. The other guys he's competing with, it's like Neville Hewitt. He could potentially do something. You got James Burgess out there. We picked up a guy, McClellan. We'll see what he can do. Anthony Winstall on the roster. Um, just Cashman's one of those names. You'd like it to be the young guy because he's on the roster for a while for cheap. And, uh, you know, he's young. He's got potential. The sky's the limit. Ideally, he wins you know, a, a decent amount of playing time at that position. If not, he looks like he could definitely be a great special teamer. He is flying around the field pretty well. Let's just stay healthy. We get Trevon Wesco. He's a tight end who's basically set to be the Eric Tomlinson replacement. 
ideally. He's a blocking tight end, kind of like a, a hybrid. He's, he's been playing some fullback going back into the backfield blocking for the running backs. The problem is he's not made much of an impact at all on offense. He hasn't had a single catch. He did have one nice adjustment play for a short goal line touchdown, but that was called back on a penalty. And other than that, he's not caught the ball. So it just feels like on this team when Herndon steps out, we don't have a guy that can step up and play tight end. And, yeah, it's great to have a guy that can block like that, but if you're not catching the ball, you're not making an impact on offense, then you're essentially just an offensive tackle. I mean, why not just put another tackle in there? Put Chuma Odoga. He'd be a great lead blocker, right? He's huge. He wouldn't be a great lead blocker, but he could do the job. You've seen guys like Sheldon Richardson do that before. It's not impressive because he goes back there and stands in front of the running back. A bunch of players do that. Gimmicky type of plays. It's just he's got to be a little bit more impactful on the offensive side of the ball. If you never throw him the ball, if he can't get open, then there's no reason to even have him as a tight end. You just put an offensive lineman out there. No one's covering him, right? Then you got Blashawn Austin is the last guy that we drafted. He's MIA. He's still injured. The old McCagnan draft special. Let's take a project injured player who's never going to touch the field and uh, and see what he can do. So a la Jeremy Clark. LaShawn Austin is working his way off of the roster because I'm sure Joe Douglas does not have the patience for a guy that can't play the same way that McCagnon does. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So those are our rookies. When we move over to special teams, Locke Edwards, he's still great. I love what I see from him. The kickers freaking suck. Catanzaro played the first game, missed two extra points, and retired before we could fire him. The ball's on that guy to retire before you can get fired. Oh, sorry, family. I just, you know, it wasn't for me. I just realized I didn't love the game the same way I did. Yeah, probably not, because you were getting booed the whole time. You were about to be kicked out of this town, and uh, and we're glad you're not here. So we bring in Tyler Bertolet. That's great. He was on the team last year, a guy that we thought, you know, maybe he could beat Jason Myers. Keep in mind, last year we picked up Jason Myers in August, basically, off the scrap heap. He was a guy that we'd never been impressed with on other teams. He comes to our team, and we're like, well, Bertolette's got a chance. Bertolette does not make the team. Comes back in for us. He goes one for three on extra points. I don't care that he made up a 49-yard field goal. That's cool. But if you miss two extra points, you should be off the team as well. Again, I think it's time for, uh, for Bertolette to consider retirement. Ross Martin, he's a guy that could be available. Maybe guys like uh, Matt Bryant. Maybe some other old veterans that are just sitting, waiting. I know everyone talks like it's so easy to find a kicker. And on one hand, it's kind of true. It's like there are a bunch of guys that have done it before that probably can kick 78 80% for you. At the same time, though, if that was the case, why did the Chargers not make the playoffs a couple years ago when they went through like six kickers and couldn't find a single guy to get it through the uprights? Sometimes you just keep trying, guys, and they keep sucking. It is possible. I really hope that's not the story of the Jets' season this year. I'd like to get a guy in here. Uh, we didn't get a chance to trade for that backup kicker for the Ravens. Harbaugh's like a special teams mastermind. Had another guy behind Justin Tucker, and a bunch of Jets fans are like, well, let's trade for him, let's trade for him. And, uh, you know, we were beaten to the punch. I think the Vikings picked him up, so unfortunately we didn't get a chance at him. But we got to find a kicker. It can't be Bertolette. It can't be Catanzaro. we got to find somebody else. Let's get him in here, and uh, let's get this competition going. Kick returns, 
Trenton Cannon is the only guy who's actually returned one. Um, he's taken four out of the end zone. It's whatever. Cannon's cannon. Punt returns. Dorch, Greg Dorch, the undrafted free agent out of Wake Forest, has gotten the most touches. He has four punt returns. One really nice 32-yarder. He's got a 12.8 average, which you're really happy with. He's not muffed one yet. Love to see that from a rookie. Trenton Cannon had huge issues last year with that, and a lot of rookies are known for, you know, bobbling kicks and stuff. Dorch so far seems all right. It's only four, though. Tim White had one. J.J. Jones had one. Not too worried about those guys getting that. Uh, I don't see either one of them making the roster at this point either, so Dorch is the guy right now. Until we see somebody else start fielding those, it's like, all right, well, if Dorch is the only guy they have fielding punts, then maybe they are expecting him to be the punt returner, which would give him an easy way out of the roster. We'll see what happens in games three and four. I'm going to move over to a new section called Father Time. Before I do that, I just get a notification as I'm recording this. Jalen Smith of the Cowboys agrees to $65 million deal. Five-year deal. $65 million with $35.5 guaranteed. This is hilarious because it's in the midst of this whole Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott contract talk. Ezekiel Elliott wants an extension so bad. He's like, give me that money, give me that money. Prescott's talking about how he wants $40 million. That's what the reports say. And then they give... Uh, they give Jalen Smith a $65 million contract over five years. That has to begin to Ezekiel Elliott a little bit right now. Holy moly. Now they can just look at Prescott and be like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, we ran out. We can't pay you 40 We can only give you, you know, we'll give you max because they already spent the rest of it on everybody else. That's pretty good. Um, all right, so we're going to do Father Time, a brand new segment. It was installed last episode where my father, also known as Father Time, not because he's old, because it's nice to spend a little bit of time getting insight from my father, who is the other biggest Jets fan that I know, and me and him talk about Jets all the time. We get all these ideas, and I was just like, you got to come on the podcast. He's not a technology guy. He's not big into this stuff, and, and I don't even know if he's super stoked that I'm doing it. He probably thinks it's weird. But I was like, well, you got to you know, send me a little excerpt before I do an episode, and just give me a little something. What's going on in your mind? Something that's pissing you off. Something you're excited about. Something you've noticed. Whatever. I don't care what it is. As long as it's just related, right? Not, you know, about how I don't clean up my room. Kidding, I don't live there. I haven't lived there in years. But I still leave a mess every time I go. Um, so let's see what we got here. He, this was outdated a little bit. This is before Avery Williamson tore his ACL. But he did redact a little bit. He kind of changed it a bit. I'm just going to read it word for word how he wrote it for me. This week's episode of Father Time featuring David Burnham. Voiced by Daniel Burnham. The Jets have built and acquired some talent and are one of the improving teams in the AFC. The nagging issue with the Jets is the clear lack of depth across the board. Arguably, all positions are thin at best. Corner is a glaring hole with starter Trumaine Johnson pulling a hamstring and being weak to weak. For the record, I am a Daryl Roberts fan. So what to do since starter Trumaine Johnson is chronically injured? Our star Jamal Adams has volunteered to play corner, but that won't happen. He's a top 5 strong safety. He'd be a top 60 corner. The answer lies with defensive coordinator Greg Williams and the front seven of the defense. Here's something to expect. For the first time in 10 years, the Jets will be running a zone defense. Williams will run zones the majority of the time. A cover two will bring Adams out of the box to play deep on his side and May on the other. The Jets should not need Jamal in the box with C.J. Mosley and Avery Williams doing the damage that we expect from them. Linebackers will handle the box and under routes without safety help. I expect safeties will assist on coverage more, less the run. Adams won't be playing corner, but he will be having more coverage responsibilities. I'm grateful that the days of leaving corners on an island, 
a la Rex and Todd Bowles, are pretty much over. The Jets will rush, rush four or five, and the rest will cover their area, shading to the weak parts of the defense and the strengths of the opposing offense. Expect rookie Blake Cashman to work underneath in sub-packages, and expect Brian Poole to be a big upgrade in the slot. Two final thoughts. First, Greg Williams will always have wrinkles in his plans. He will always be smart and always be aggressive, and he will emphasize not giving up the big play. Imagine the Jets with two quality corners. That's only a year away. I trust Joe Douglas. And remember that with the salary cap, nearly every team has at least one hole. We need more depth, but it's next man up. That is coming. In Joe Douglas, I trust. Prediction, the Jets will split with the Pats, sweep the Finns, and sweep the Bills. Yep, 5-1 and one in the AFC East. Go Jets. End excerpt. And that's it right there. That's what you're talking about. I mean, my dad's exactly right when he's talking about this. The Jets' defense is going to be different than we've seen. Greg Williams is bringing a total different style. We're not going to be doing that cornerback island stuff. We're going to be running zones, and we're going to be relying on different players. That's going to change Jamal Adams' role a little bit, probably. I expect that he's you know, he's probably right in that expectation. Um, and we're going to be aggressive. We're going to do what we can to try to make it work. There are holes. This team, like you said, is only a few pieces away from being really good. My expectation is, well, this year, you know, the Jets are going to be an average team. Maybe seven wins, up to nine wins. Looking at the playoffs, maybe they won't get there. But when you're a seven, eight, or nine win team, you're only a move or two away. If we get those cornerbacks that my dad's mentioning, a couple guys out there, I mean, think of what this team would be if you knew going into this season we had two quality cornerbacks out there. How you'd feel? You'd be like, holy shit, I think we have basically as good a roster as we've had in a long time. That's a year away. Sam Darnold's third year. A lot of these players, you know, used to a system, used to playing with each other, more chemistry. A year of the general manager, probably drafting well. You know, I love it. He did end up sending me another one saying, uh, you know, to pop in Neville Hewitt as well, because he and Cashman are going to cover up the absence of Williamson. He expects Hewitt to be good. He's a solid player. And if Cashman's even better, so much the better. So kind of the way I feel as well. I think Neville Hewitt's probably that first guy at that tackling middle linebacker role. And then Cashman's that X factor that if he can cover and play really well as a rookie, that's best case scenario. Um, But it is a position that the Jets can probably work through. We probably can play Brian Poole, do a little bit more nickel. When you take a nickel onto the field, a third corner, you're taking another position out. Middle linebacker, very possible. So I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. But I just hope you know, everything in that father time thing is true. I hope we do find ways to cover up the lack of corners because we don't have it. And if Tremaine Johnson's not out there, I mean, what if Daryl Roberts gets injured? Imagine starting D. Delaney and Arthur Mollette as your two starting cornerbacks, or Kyron Brown and Marco Myers, whoever the heck we have on this roster. That would be insane, and we would get picked apart by specific teams. We don't have that crazy good edge rusher who's going to get there. Hopefully we get a good push up the middle. But yes, that is this week's Father Time featuring Dave Burnham. Very happy to have it. I thought it was a really nice addition to this episode. Let me know what you think in your comments and, uh, you know, through Twitter and stuff, how you're liking the new segment as well. Always enjoying feedback. But moving on from that, got a couple last few sections to go over. That's the players that impressed me through preseason that haven't been mentioned and the players that have not impressed me. So let's just go through this list here. Bronson Kafusi has definitely impressed me. He's a defensive lineman who's been on the fringe. He played some practice squad with the Jets last year, and uh, we were expecting some improvement from him this year. We've definitely seen it. The guy's got a sack, a forced fumble, a pass deflection. He's forced pressure in both games, and the guy is seen on field. I mean, in the last game, I think he was arguably the best player on the field, at least for the New York Jets. 
two other guys that have really impressed me, Trevor Simeon and Luke Falk. These guys are playing great backup quarterback, and I'm really happy with what I've seen. We don't have Josh McCown. We don't have that old veteran who's got the knowledge and everything. But we've got two capable players, it looks like right now, who can fill in and definitely look like an improvement over, you know, the Bryce Petties, the Christian Hackenbergs, the Eric Anges, the Greg McElroys, the guys who haven't been able to get anything done. Simeon goes 15 for 20 in the two games, 87 yards, touchdown, no picks, 99 quarterback rating. This is a guy who started games in the NFL before. I mean, he's playing that well. It's pretty solid. It is backups, but still. Luke Falk, 13 for 15, 110 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, 136 quarterback rating. I mean, that's ridiculously well too. I know you probably want to look at Simeon first because he's got the experience, but Luke Falk is playing really good backup quarterback football. And he's a guy that I don't know if you can stash him on the practice squad because quarterbacks, you know, that are young like him could potentially be scooped up if they're playing well. I mean, we scooped up Davis Webb. Imagine what Luke Falk could do on the open market after this preseason. So I'm not sure what they're going to do. They probably won't carry three. It's possible. My guess is they'll pick one of the two, probably Simeon from his experience, but Falk is making a case right now and maybe could end up being, you know, a shocking third quarterback on the roster or on that practice squad. Another guy that's impressing, I think, is Dorch, just because he's getting those punt returns. Um, you know, just making himself the guy who's getting them, not putting another person really in contention for that spot. At least not a guy who's a viable option for the roster. He's also got four catches. They've all been really short, but he got a touchdown, snuck through, found the end zone, and it's about all you can do. We don't have a, a ton of yardage. You're talking about, what, 90 yards from Sam, 87 yards from Simeon, 110 yards from Dorch. It's like you know, 300 yards total to go around. So if you have four catches and a touchdown, it's not so bad. Foley Fadakasi, the uh, the rookie last year from UConn, he has six tackles and he's showing up in every game. I've seen him out there, and honestly, I was really not impressed with him last year. I thought he was going to be really quiet this preseason as he's going to work his way off this roster. But from what I've seen, looks like he's working his way onto the roster. A guy that maybe when Steve McClendon does retire, he can back up Quinn and Williams. A guy that I love, young guy from last year, Frankie Luvu. I mean, the guy's all over the field right now. He's got 10 tackles, a forced fumble. He looks way more balanced. I mean, he's still improving, but he's definitely playing a little bit more in coverage. He's moving back a little bit. He's not just rushing the passer. And, you know, he was really young, a little undisciplined at times last year. But if he can improve a little bit, he's one of those, like, you know, those fringe players that makes the roster that maybe can make an impact, especially outside linebacker where we don't have that much going on. It's, you know, Brandon Copeland and Ja'Kai Polite and Frankie Luvu, just not these big-name guys, and we need somebody to step up. So far, he looks like he's doing it. I'd like to see what he can do uh, as it goes on, and maybe he can carry this into the regular season. The guy James Burgess, the backup linebacker, you know, he's a, he's a long shot to make the roster before, but then he had a pick six at the very end of last game, made four tackles, and then Avery Williams tore his ACL. Avery Williamson um, tore his ACL. So all of a sudden, Burgess moves up one spot and had a really good pick six and a couple other nice plays. I've liked what I've seen from Josh Bellamy, also known as Bezo. He had a solid game one. He's going to be set special teams help. He had a nice third down catch in game one, had a decent uh, connection with the quarterbacks. It's one of those guys that if he can play good special teams as a gunner, kind of replace like a Sharon Peak and offer more in the receiving game, that'd be awesome. And then Burnett, he's been solid. He's got six catches, 35 yards, touchdown. The only problem with him is with the receiving depth chart that we have right now, if you're looking at, like, you got 
three guys that are guaranteed to make this roster, being Anderson, Crowder, and Anunua. And then you've got two or three guys that are probably going to make the team at that position after that. And if some of these guys have to play special teams, Deontay Burnett probably is one of the best receivers that are lower on that depth chart behind those top three, but he doesn't offer special teams, which is the only problem. He's not a gunner. He's not a return man. He doesn't bring those other things. So unfortunately, it's a little bit of a... uh, a tough spot for him not bring anything else but hopefully with the play that he's had he's going to be able to make his way onto the roster you know he had a pretty decent season last year we'll see what kind of weight that carries with joe douglas but then this year those 60 uh those six catches for 35 yards is is pretty solid so see what he can do he's a kind of a fan favorite because he you know in a year where we had really tough wide receiver issues especially down the stretch he was a guy that showed up and gave us a little bit of hope we just wanted to see Sam Darnold play. It's like, geez, could we just get a target for this guy? Somebody? And like at least Burnett gave him some little flashes here and there. Let's move to the guys that are super unimpressive so far. That is every single kicker who stepped foot on the field. That's kicker, not punter. I liked what I've seen from Matt Darr, backup punter. And I loved what I've seen from Locke Edwards, starting punter. Kickers, though, abysmal. Davis Webb, terrible. He was slated as the number three quarterback on this roster ahead of Luke Falk. The guy's four for 12, no touchdowns, two picks, and he should be cut. We're lucky that we don't do cutdowns early in the year, but he's one of those guys that, you know, maybe get him off the roster now. Make room for somebody else. Another kicker. That'd be great. Look at two problems at the same time. Backup tight ends. They're totaling two catches for 10 yards. One from Daniel Brown, one from Eric Tomlinson. We've got none from Trevon Wesco. We've got none from Griffin, who's the guy that we picked up a couple weeks ago. I mean, that position seems dead when Herndon's not on the field, and that's a huge issue. I mean, that was a pretty good position for the Jets last year. You saw Sam Darnold like using the tight end, but somebody's got to build a rapport with him. Somebody's got to get a little chemistry and get themselves open on the field. Trenton Cannon, he's an issue for me. He's got a 1.7 yard per attempt rushing the football. Now, they run him up the tackles a lot. I know that. Um, I think they're just trying to like not get other guys injured, and you're just going to run the ball, get through the game late in these preseason games. You're not going to put somebody that is important to you out there. But uh, I just, I'm kind of tired of Trenton Cannon. He made so many mistakes last year, and his style is like that of a Darren Sproles or something. But he doesn't have anywhere near that explosiveness. And they say they see it in practice from time to time. But with the mistakes and the depth chart that we have, especially at running back and the special teamers that could make it a wide receiver, I just don't see a scenario where it makes sense having him here. You know, he has a bunch of catches, but he's got a 5.2 yard per catch. It's not like he's getting big yardage or anything. It's not like he's breaking anything. It's just, I don't know. It's just one of the one of the guys that I think should be gone, and, and some people disagree with me, but what are you going to do? Another guy, Tim White, a guy everybody was looking at because he was like a training camp standout wide receiver. He has no catches. He's been targeted a few times but gotten nothing done. He had one punt return opportunity, nothing to it. Um, it's just, he's a non-factor, and you got to be a factor to make the team. Another issue that I have is every single cornerback on the roster, other than Daryl Roberts, he's been okay. I mean, Trumaine Johnson is injured. Brian Poole, he's fine. He's not played all that much. But when you go down the list after that, Kyron Brown, he had a big name in training camp. I didn't like what I saw from him in the preseason game one. Arthur Mollette. He got a start, basically, in game two. Looked horrible. You got D. Delaney. Didn't do anything impressive at all in coverage. Perry Nickerson has looked absolutely awful. The guy looks like he can't tackle, can't cover. He's constantly getting picked on. He's like the most the most picked-on cornerback that we've had on this roster. And you look through these cornerbacks, and you're like, ah, you know, you could pick on any one of these guys. But somehow, Perry Nickerson's the most vulnerable of them all. 
Then you got like, I don't know, two guys that maybe are showing the most light. That's Marco Myers and Tavon Campbell. I think they had the two best games in the last preseason game trying to step up, but it's just still not enough to really make you feel comfortable about either one of them being on the field ever, let alone playing significant snaps. So we'll see if either one of them can build on it. I'd say the leg right now goes to Marco Myers and Tavon Campbell, followed by Kyron Brown, and then, you know, pick Arthur Marlette, D. Delaney, Perry Nickerson, whatever. Hopefully somebody steps up. We did pick up another guy recently, Marcus Cooper, who has played in like 70 career games. He's just never been good. So at least he's got experience. Um, it's probably better than these guys that are worse with no experience because they'll probably be, you know, huge liabilities for the Jets. But it's just one of those holes in the team right now. It's, it's that thing that's going to keep us from being a great team. But that's fine because it's the thing that can be so easily addressed next year and can instantly take us to becoming a great team. I mean, if we're awesome, if, it, if this whole year comes down to like, wow, we were so good, the only issues was we couldn't stop the throw because our cornerbacks couldn't do a damn thing, that's great. That means, okay, we can address one thing and we're there. We have some other guys we have to extend. Obviously, we still have to make some improvements on the offensive line and other places across the uh, the roster, but it's just, it's okay if there's a hole right now because we're not supposed to win the Super Bowl this year. I'd just like to win it in two years. So, something that we'd be looking at. A couple other things real quick. The Jets signed, uh, or they traded for Alex Lewis, a depth offensive guard from the Ravens. They gave him a conditional seventh. The guy's played before. He's not going to be great, but you know what? He'll probably be a decent backup guard. And with the injuries that we have right now to Winters and to uh, Assembly not playing this last preseason game, definitely good to have another quality type body in there. Inside linebacker, we talked about that. That's an issue. The only good news is behind that whole inside linebacker thing is nobody is named Darren Lee. We don't have to worry about ever watching that guy not fill a hole again. Neville Hewitt, whomever else, McClellan, Cashman, Wint, whoever's in there will do a better job filling the hole than Darren Lee ever did, and that's great. We do have an injury to uh, C.J. Mosley's brother who's on the team. I think it's Jamie Mosley. He's currently got an injury, but uh, he's a long shot to make the roster right now. One of the guys I was looking at for cornerback, uh, recently I just had the thought EJ Gaines was just released by the Bills with an injury settlement. Now he was uh, signed this year for $3.4 million on a one-year deal. Um, he played his way to a contract extension from the Bills to basically be cornerback four or five. So he had the skill, but unfortunately he keeps getting injured and the Bills felt really uncertain about that and didn't want to pay the guy $3.5 million if they weren't sure if he was going to be able to play, especially being a depth you know, fourth cornerback on the roster. They've got some really good corners there right now. And if he's going to be four, you don't want to pay him 3.5. He's going to be injured. I think he's a guy that the Jets should look at, bring in for a physical, and see. You know, if he can pass a physical and play, he could easily be an, an improvement over Kyron Brown, Arthur Mollett, Dee Delaney. I mean, even at 92%, 95%, if he's not all the way there but very close, he's still probably an improvement. You just don't want to pay the guy too much, and you, obviously you have to make sure he's healthy. Nathan Shepard, still MIA. Valentine Holmes, he's a cool story. Really awesome. A video just circulated today of him catching five punts at the same time, like one after another without dropping the football. So he was holding one football, caught another, was holding two, caught another, and so on until he got to five. The guy's a cool story. He was a rugby star in the Australia League, but uh, I just think he's a real long shot to make this roster. He's really got no chance to get there. He's a garbage time story and uh, a cool guy to root for. But when you look through the wide receivers and the running backs, he doesn't really have a true position and hasn't asserted himself. Unless he can like prove to be the 
the number one bona fide kick returner, punt returner that can like, you know, do some other little things here and there, he's probably not making this roster and we'll have to see what happens in game three, but likely not coming. So all that's left really now, so I want to just close this thing out with a quick look ahead at what's to come. We've got two more preseason games. We got one Saturday, August 24th, 7.30 p.m. We're playing home for the New Orleans Saints. So that'll be fun. Uh, a lot of the offensive linemen are not going to play. The Jets will probably be precautionary for a lot of this game, especially given what happened with Avery Williamson. Maybe Gase is thinking, like, eh, let's not keep these guys in too long this time. But it's going to be game three, which typically is the most competitive game where the starters play the most. I bet we'll see a little bit from Sam Darnold and a bit from that defense, but again, they're going to come off the field, and, and from there, they're spending the rest of that game just evaluating those players that are close to cutdowns, those cornerbacks, those backup defensive linemen, the inside linebackers that are fighting for a spot, your backup receivers, running backs, whatever. It's all it's all good. Uh, you just hope that you see a lot of good play across the board. You hope the cutdown decisions are difficult. You don't want it to be like, oh, we'll just cut these 40 guys because they all suck. You want it to be like, wow, we got a lot of good players. we got to cut somebody. And we have to remember, that's happening at other teams. Other teams have tough decisions, and they're cutting good players. And those are guys the Jets can look at. You know, maybe we cut this roster down to 53, and then maybe a week after that, five more of those 53 are gone, and we've replaced them with the scraps from another team. A kicker that got cut by a team that brought in two kickers. Maybe they had two guys making them all preseason. We scooped that guy up. A wide receiver, a kick returner, a punt returner, what have you. They're going to be opportunities. After that, we got a game on Thursday, August 29th, versus the Eagles, home again, 7 p.m. That's the last game. We're still playing with 90 guys because we don't do those uh, earlier cutdowns anymore. So it's going to be mostly backups, a super low-risk style game, just to really figure out that last few roster spots and then get through and, and kind of just do a you know a practice game for the guys not making your team, just to add to their highlight reel for the other teams in the league. Um, and then we got cutdowns following the Week 4 preseason game. And then 20 days from now, basically, Buffalo Bills, home game, 1 p.m., September 8th. Oh, my gosh, it's coming. We're so close. Can't wait to do that stuff. I think that uh, I'm going to do my next podcast. Let me get this out of the way. I'm going to do my next podcast episode uh, following the fourth preseason game, probably following cutdowns. I'll talk about what happened in the games, what led to the cutdowns, why we have the roster that we have, and then spend the rest of it just looking towards the Buffalo Bills game because then we have real football. We know what we've got for a roster. We'll know at that point like who's still injured and who's coming back, and uh, we'll get a look for this whole thing. It's going to be a big game. We're starting off against a division rival, Sam Darnold's best friend, but arch nemesis on the field, Josh Allen. Those Buffalo Bills, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be awesome. We've been waiting a long time for this happy to be doing the podcast again when the regular season rolls around i'll be doing weekly episodes so you know probably the tuesday following every every game so we'll do a game on sunday i'll record on tuesday recap the game do a little bit of a preview of the next game and and so on just like i've done in years past that's about it if you got anything for me reach out on twitter or anything like that uh rate review as i said in the beginning yeah let's watch these last two preseason games let's hope we have no more injuries Let's watch some of these guys work their way up the depth chart, fight their way onto the team. Let's have some nice, grueling battles, make some tough decisions for these coaches, and uh, and get out there. Because, like I said, football is right around the corner. We're watching it right now. Practice games. We got the real deal coming soon. So we'll make sure that we're ready when we get there. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 